if you look at all the animals in the world, the buffalo is the only animal that goes into the storm. All the other animals wait for the storm to come above them and then they start running with it. So actually they're in the storm longer, whereas a buffalo is really clever. They see the storm coming, so they run towards it because they might as well get through it as quick as possible because the whole time you're waiting for the storm, you're feeling really negative and drained. And I think that's a really good practical bit of advice for life. Because what you're talking about is about actively making choice rather than just kind of going along and doing things as you've always done them or doing what you think you should do. Hello Hazel, we are on the 4th of September, how on earth did that happen? How was the end of the summer? It was good, I mean it's been, hasn't been great in the UK, uh, but we escaped to the Alps in the van for a couple of weeks and that was lovely, so we felt like we've had a bit of an adventure and um, yeah I did, I did actually feel a bit sad dropping my daughter off to school today, I don't know, I was like I think I've got some more fun in me. Maybe it's because it was sunny today. Maybe it's because like, yeah. oh, I want to be at the beach um, rather than um, in my office. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Good. And it, it felt like you were away for ages <laughs> in your in your van. I had fun taking over the, uh, the newsletter while you were away. And thank you for letting me do that. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah. Depending on when people listen to this, summer has just reborn. It's absolutely bonkers this week, isn't it? So I feel like the kids, when they broke up, it was really miserable for the first week. And now they go back and it's really lovely. But that is the UK weather for us, isn't it? (laughs) So we have obviously put out our first podcast episode. So thank you to everyone who is either returning to listen to part two or um, listen to this for the first time. And I think we were a bit overwhelmed, weren't we, with all the wonderful feedback that we got from people mm. yeah it was great I mean people listened which is yeah, amazing that was good because <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff out there isn't there and I think that was some of like my reticence going into starting a podcast is that oh, it feels like one of the things that I don't know getting on the bandwagon you know and and joining the the thousands of people that have started a podcast but actually I think the feedback really encouraged me to think that yeah we do have a certain perspective we've got things that that I don't know people would benefit from kind of listening into our chats definitely um so yeah it's been it was really lovely yeah definitely and it, like you said I think it's so good that we had lots of people listen but actually people to send feedback and personally say oh do you know what this bit I really took and that was really positive I'm gonna I'm gonna make use of that but I think what was funny though was our feedback to each other where we both sort of independently went, oh, we love doing it, but oh, I hated the sound of my own voice. I want to sound like you, Hazel. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think we just had to accept, do you know what, in life, in podcasts, we just don't like the sound of our own voice. But for me, it got me thinking about how mean we can be to ourselves sometimes, how critical we are of ourselves. And I just thought, blimey, if, if we just invested more time in being more kind, compassionate to ourselves how much easier life would be like that was obviously a sort of a small example of going oh my god do I really sound like that but in in general life like how much time do we I don't know fight be our own cheerleader and and you know big ourselves up because we would all be very kind to our friends and we say very nice things to our friends but often we're so critical of our own 
things that we're doing. It made me feel a bit sad, really, that the for all the wonderful things we did on the podcast, the first thing we both said was, oh, I didn't like the sound of my own voice. And I think it is. I mean, I think last time I spoke about that, that whole survival instinct, you know, that our mind is wired for, for our survival. And I think it I think it's connected because we are wired to look for what's wrong. Mm-hmm. So we just naturally, it's like we discount the stuff that went well. And then you just, you hook in to the stuff that, oh, you know, I don't really, I don't really like that. I don't really like the sound of my voice. Um, Yeah. Am I going um too much? You know, there will be, we're kind of wired to notice those things. And what I've noticed, especially in my work, is that people who have jobs where they are required to look for the stuff that's wrong. So people like, well, like nurses and doctors and auditors, uh, people that, you know, are, are looking for risks. Uh, maybe some of the firefighters that I know you work a lot with, they can fall into that trap even more because what they're doing is something that we do quite naturally. They're then practicing it in their job. Uh, so it becomes a stronger and stronger skill, I guess, that then, like you say, when we use it against ourselves, it's just, it's not a fun place to be. No, I hadn't thought of that about, yeah, because I've been, like I mentioned, been with the fire service in Norfolk this morning. And obviously, yeah, people's jobs are to go in and find the find the negative, which we do naturally anyway, but then to carry that through into their personal lives. Wow, yeah. And because there's so much negativity anyway, when we put on the news, all those sorts of things, actually, we want to be more positive. How can we help people be more positive? I think that compassion thing, being kind to ourselves, like not not being critical and I think I've heard lots of things and we probably touched on it a bit last time when we were talking about my triathlon but that speaking to ourselves in the third person sometimes because it's almost gives a bit of authority like Jane stop doing this you know or Jane do this there you go I did it negative there I went stop straight away not Jane start doing this from your work more from the psychology background what 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 do you think about that sort of third person speaking to ourselves how does that work Yeah. So second person and third person can work really well. And I think they're even more powerful when we write them down. So I'm a really big fan of journaling. So, you know, if you find yourself got where you've got in a place of being quite negative and it's kind of spiraling. So you're like, oh, and you get to those. I always do this thing wrong. And this is, you know, this is the type of person I am. I think even even writing and saying, what I think you need to remember, Hazel, is da 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 da. Yeah. As if you're writing to someone else, because I think, you know, you, you've mentioned the third person, but what it does is it takes a different part of our brain. So we go from this very kind of critical self place to, like you say, how we would talk to someone else. Um, and so it opens up a different way of thinking about it. So I think it, it breaks that initial kind of self-criticism and takes it into that other place. I like that, writing things down. People talk a lot about journaling, don't they? Like writing down the mm. positive things that have happened each day. But I suppose it's it's part of recognising what's triggered the negative emotions. Maybe a bit of, I don't know, is it, would it be cognitive behavioural therapy? Of going, what was the trigger? What was my reaction? And how could I think about it differently? Mm. Because we do go into that negativity bias and being critical you know, I'd never ring you up and go, oh, by the way, Hazel, you know, that podcast, your your voice just sounded awful. 
And I don't think you'd ring me and go, Jane, you need to turn your Norfolk twang down. Like, you know. Well. Well, <laughs> I often I fellow Norfolkites and they said, no, you definitely didn't sound Norfolk. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so if we don't speak to our friends like it, we should absolutely not or try not to speak to ourselves like it. It's sad that we do it, but like you said, it's part of our defence mechanism and our brain trying to look yeah. after us. I mean, I use... So I think I mentioned last time I use acceptance and commitment therapy, so which involves a lot of normalization. And oh, normalization is so powerful because it is that bit that goes when you get that voice that comes up saying, oh, you know, Hazel, you sound really nasal, which is <laughs> which is my main kind of worry about my voice. Um, it's kind of just hearing that voice and going, oh, yeah, there you are again. Like, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to keep me safe. And but what I'm going to do is I'm not I'm not going to delve too deep into it, actually. I'm not going to try and work out, you know, where did that come from? And when was the first time that I felt that way? And actually, I'm just going to accept that that's that's been something that, you know, it's been a recurring thought that I've had a lot of my life whenever I hear myself in a recording and Actually, you know, is there anything I can learn from it? Is there anything, you know, useful that I can take from it? You know, is there anything helpful? Uh, if there is, great. You know, I'll use that. Uh, if there isn't, then I'm just going to get back on it and, and record another podcast and, and let it let that thought just, you know, pass by. Yeah, because we could look so far into it. You could just start talking like, you know, one of the chipmunks. As could I put on this completely different accent? Like, except we are who we are, and I on on that. I think that's all part of our authentic nature, like authenticity. It's being, it's being who we are, not trying to be. Is it? You know, it's that funny thing, is it? When people answer the phone with their phone voice, yeah, and it's like, find me whose house is my phone? Not that we phone people's houses as much anymore, but actually, what we're doing is just it's a chin wagon. We are being who we are, aren't we? And if if I don't think you sound nasally at all, by the way, but if I come out with a little <laughs> Norfolkism, then uh, so be it. But we're not trying to be something else. With that self-critical mind, though, I'm really interested in this as for you as as a kind of an ultra runner, um, cyclist, swimmer. <laughs> I imagine that maybe you've used different techniques in the past. So have you, you know, have there been times when you have kind of like shouted at yourself and being, being quite self-critical as a way of keeping yourself going or I don't know has that has that changed the way that you that you would talk to yourself in those times I think personally I almost do the opposite and I'm more compassionate when I'm feeling really terrible because sometimes I think it would be really helpful for me if I'm doing sessions with somebody someone to really shout at me to get going because I think with somebody else there I would respond more to that sort of critical, come on, Jane, you're slowing down, keep going, keep going. But when I'm on my own, actually, I find the compassionate approach better. It was probably only two or three years ago when I was going for sort of a real goal time in one of my races. And I was like, something's got to change, Jane, because physically, you know, you're fit, you can do it, but it's your mental side letting you down. And I was like, right, I'm going to do mental strength training. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do. But I just started listening to different sports psychologists and using people who I was lucky enough to have in my circle. Uh, I was working in cricket at the time. So the England team psychologist, I think I am. Um, I've sat near him at a Christmas party. And after a few wines, I was like, I'm going to dare ask him if he might give me a session. Um, and of course he did. And he came up with some really good 
tools for me about you know when you think it's all going wrong so and I think this is I'm going to share this one because hopefully it'll be it'll be really helpful for our listeners so we talked about when you're running and this could be any anybody doing anything you know whether it's applying for something doing a new task and I'd say you know I'd get to a certain point and I just think oh I don't feel great and I'd start to slow down and he said you've got to imagine like in life you're when you start to feel like that it's like you're coming up to a crossroads and you have choices at those crossroads um you can either just stop um obviously we're obeying the highway code if we're using this um this analogy you stop you come down a gear or actually try going up a gear because your new upper gear might be your previous gear, if that makes sense. So I, what I was struggling with was I would get feel like I was getting to those crossroads and I would naturally come down a gear and slow up to make it easier for myself. But what I didn't, didn't know is if I'd have gone up a gear, I might have been okay. Because I imagine, again, that's my brain going, oh, you're feeling a little bit tired, Jane. Your heart rate's going a little bit through the roof. Take the easy option. And because we do things, we react so quickly that's what we do and he said to me almost use your hand like on a gear stick physically go through the motions and just go up a gear from time to time because when you go up you just never know what might happen and I think that's the whole growth mindset you know if we just sit in comfort all the time we're not going to develop ourselves you know rarely do we become better versions of ourselves when life's hunky-dory you know it's when a bit of crap is thrown at us that we grow we learn something you know exactly what you were talking about we accept that this situation isn't necessarily where we want to be and we review it and we move through it I've been reading some new books this week actually on resilience so option b by Cheryl Sandberg who is wonderful and Rick Hansen resilient and it's been really interesting thinking about our own personal resilience and how we get better at it and it's not just about you know being able to get through life's ups and downs but how do we how do we prepare ourselves for painful or uncomfortable situations and one of the things I really like on it is if you look at all the animals in the world the buffalo is the only animal that goes into the storm all the other animals wait for the storm above to come above them and then they start running with it so actually they're in the storm longer Whereas a buffalo is really clever. They see the storm coming, so they run towards it because they might as well get through it as quick as possible because the whole time you're waiting for the storm, you're feeling really negative and drained. And I think that's a really good practical bit of advice for life because there's always going to be courageous conversations that we need to have and situations that we're not comfortable with. But be more buffalo. Get in there and, and, and deal with it. Yeah. Wow, there's a lot in what you just said. I did, sorry, I rambled there. I was capturing things in my head and trying to hold on to them. So there was something first I wanted, I think, you know, what we were saying earlier about self-compassion and you were saying about, you know, us being kinder to ourselves. And I was relating that to that crossroad idea and the gears thing. And I feel like sometimes the bad rap that self-compassion gets is it feels like we're choosing that comfortable option. We're not choosing that, or maybe like the buffalo, to run towards the storm. We're choosing to, I don't know, comfort ourselves in in the moment. And that can, I don't know, for some people, go against this idea of, like you say, how you build resilience. So how, how how do you reconcile that in your head? Yeah, that's a good point because there is, it's okay to sit in neutral and in comfort. And I think it's at different times in our lives. 
So using like my race example, I heard a great line many years ago that said, you know, you need to choose, and this wasn't this is racing or anything in life, do you want to complete or compete? And I had my little light bulb moment and I thought, do you know what? I've been a completer up to now. I'm gonna compete next year. So I'm gonna get a coach, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna really, really try hard to give it everything. Did that for a few years, and this year I'm a little bit back to completing. But I guess <laughs> marrying up a little bit, but I've added in new challenges. So my challenge I can update on next time, my big one for this year is I want to do, or I'm going to do a 50 mile ultra run in a few weeks. So whilst I've changed the goal, because I've never done that before, so I guess in that sense, I'm coming completely out of my comfort zone. But I'm not putting pressure on myself saying, you've got to do it this time, you've got to do it in that, because I'm going into the unknown. So I'm then having compassion with what I'm going to do. Does that sort of make sense? So I'm taking on a bit of growth in a new challenge, because I want to see physically and mentally what I can do. But I'm not going in with expectations of, I'll do it in this time, I will see what happens. And I think, you know, whatever happens, I will get it done. If that means walking some, running some, I don't, I don't know. That's the un, unknown bit. But I think mm. as well, there's an element of, and I like this line, and I, I say, so I have a lot of weird things that I say in my head when I'm racing, but um, be comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm. which is why in training and stuff, you do things that hurt a little bit because then when you try and replicate that in a race, you know you've done it before. Mm. And I think that's the same in in life and being more buffalo in that we just need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because nearly every day, surely there's a bit of an interaction that's uncomfortable, whether it's, you know, for you guys who are parents getting the kids back to school, you know, where's the lunchbox? Where's this? Don't want to go. Do I have to go? Ex-friends not here anymore. You know, that that's unpredictable. And maybe that's the thing. It's not so much discomfort. It's unpredictability every day. Oh, I think for, for most of us, unpredictability is discomfort. Yeah. I think that bit about acceptance and normalisation that I was talking about, for me, the idea of self-compassion as being like letting yourself off the hook isn't necessarily what it needs to be. So I think there's, like you said, there's making a choice that's right for you in that moment, at that time in your life, at that time of the year, with everything else, you know, with your current context. But also I think, you know, self-compassion can be a moment. It doesn't need to be a, oh, I'm being self-compassionate. So for this year, you know, I'm not going to be, I don't know, pushing myself forward at, at work. I'm not going to be whatever the thing is that that you might need to um you know, be thinking about where you're using your energy. It could just be about how you are in a moment. When something, like you say, when those those challenges that we face happen, it could be that we're just like, oh, wow, that feels really hard. And it's okay. It's really, you know, it's really normal for me to have that reaction. And then I think coming to that that choice that you said, and I love that crossroad, So, you know, what do I need to do now? Do I need to stop? Do I need to maybe pause? Do I need to, you know, reduce my gear and and, and change change how much I'm putting into this? Um, Or do I need to up up my gear a bit? And 
I think it can it can be really valuable. I think just even providing that pause, because that's what you need, I guess, in order to do that, to make that choice. Because what you're talking about is about actively making choice rather than just kind of going along and doing things as you've always done them or doing what you think you should do. I should be competing. I should do a, a marathon this time or, a, you know, I mean, I'm thinking about the autumn and it's like in my mind, I have this preconception that I think it's, it links to going back to school. So it's like, right, September's really busy. So I have this kind of belief, you know, September is a busy month and I've seen it already. I can see it on LinkedIn and, you know, people and um, coaches that are coming to me. And I, I don't know, I think we can get tripped up by our ideas of of how things should be. Yeah, and the word should. So when Hazel and I first had one of our walk and talks on the phone, I remember us talking about what podcast we love. And we both said, oh, we love Peter Crone, the mind architect. And I think it's one of his sayings that he says, you know, when we say we should do something, well, why should you? Your life has never been lived before. So there's no rule book to say you should or you shouldn't do anything. And I really resonate with that. Um, and it's been quite nice if you clients have said, oh, when you mentioned that should thing, it's so true. Like when we say, well, I should go to the gym because I've done this. Like, why, why should you? Who made, who, who made that rule? And I think as well, that whole moving gear thing, what's really important is afterwards to also have some reflection and with that compassion to go, in the situation, that moment, I did my best. So I came down a gear, but I didn't press stop. You know, I went up a gear. I may have came straight back down, but at least I tried. And I think we think a lot of hindsight. Oh, in hindsight, you know, I should have, could have, would have. Yeah, but you didn't. In that moment, you did your best. And I think that's where the compassion needs to come. Because another one of his famous lines is, you know, whatever's happened, happened and couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. So draw a line. And I think... That's the most simple little quote, but it's so true. And that, again, is part of our whole where we use up so much energy. Like, it's almost where we throw ourselves a second dart. Like, the initial incident has happened. We need to accept and move on. But then what we do is we procrastinate and think about it over and over and over and over again. But you can't do anything about it because it's happened. All that we can do is think about next time this happens can I slow down my reaction just enough to do something differently? But I think it's, we are so much in autopilot all the time. And I, I like something you said, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's that, it's almost um, ghost emotion. So you talked about a situation, oh, September, September's always this. Well, this September might not be. But we carry these emotions in going, well, this is what it's always been. So we're all revved up, we're all, all geared up for this, you know, crazy month. Um, that's not to say it isn't, but it doesn't mean this September will be the same. Because if everybody's done a bit of learning and development, <laughs> development on themselves this year, it might be different this September. And given that it's like glorious weather this first week in September, there might be a buck in the trend. But we're already fixated on this is what always happens, so it will. Mm. And maybe some of that, not that your example is this at all but sometimes I think probably we go into sort of that victim status of well it's it's always like this this always happens to me well we can change that can't we we can take some ownership and do things Mm. differently and again I think that does that does mean taking a pause that does mean kind of stepping out because it sucks you in the busyness 
just it sucks you in and I think it it blurs your perception and so your mind's going so fast that you don't see the choices you have you don't necessarily see the control you have and I think being able to find that space and I think becomes more important in periods like this so you know I mentioned journaling earlier I used to have a daily you know writing practice every morning but I haven't for a few months and actually I'm like do you know what Hazel you're going to need it now you know if if you need it any (laughs) time It is going to be when you don't feel like you need it. So I think writing, just having a little space every day where I'm kind of like, okay, right. You know, what is it? What is it I need to remember today? How is it I need to show up? What what's important um, for me today? And just just asking myself, I think some of those bigger questions, because I think you can get so stuck in the day to day and get stuck into the busyness that. Yeah, having some kind of method that allows you to just break out of it and see the choice that you've got is, you know, is just so important. I think you've made a really wonderful point there. Um, Often when people start journaling and we all start introducing different practices, it's when things aren't going well. Um, You know, or I've had a really bad day, so I'll make a note of everything. But it's really what we could do is flip all that on its head and go exactly what you've just said like things are pretty good okay at the minute I'm geared up for September life's okay I'm going to start doing that practice now so it's that kind of instead of making a note when you have a really bad day when I have a really great day what did I do that's what I want to be writing down because I want more of those really good days so I don't know how did I sleep the day before did I get outside and get my daylight (laughs) what kind of food did I who did I connect with and different things but we do we focus and then what happens is I guess you start reading I've never journaled but when you start reading your journal it's full of almost negative things because unless you're making conscious effort to go okay this is the bad that happened but I'm going to focus on the good things you know actually filling our cup and really pressing pause and recognizing the really good days as well yeah and I think you know obviously you know I'm a coach so the questions are the key and so you know if say that you know we've been talking a lot about self-compassion today so say self-compassion was your thing so maybe the question that you ask yourself every evening is you know how was I kind to myself today and sometimes kindness is actually being quite honest with ourselves it doesn't have to be you know a bubble bath (laughs) all <laughs> those things that we we yeah. kind of think it is um actually it can be some do you know what? I was kind today because I I really I know that I have a, a trouble concentrating um but I put my head down I'm just thinking about myself now what I did this morning <laughs> I put my head down and I did 90 minutes of a presentation that I need for next week and I know that if I if I don't do it today that I'm going to leave into the last minute and it's become a big panic and something that I would have enjoyed is going to turn into an absolute nightmare. So actually, that was a really kind thing that I did today. Yeah, I think the question that you ask really matters. I was going to say that example you just gave was something we touched on last time, whereas it's thinking about the tomorrow. Mm. You know, so if you've got a presentation or something you need to do, how how can I make really great decisions now to make sure I'm the best best version of me tomorrow yes yes so I wonder if that's a good place to yeah close today I think oh we've talked about a lot again haven't we we have but I think the key yeah the key takeaway is that and it started from us being critical of ourselves with our voices and accents um but being kind being kind to yourself first which will ultimately lead to being kind to others but also 
giving ourselves the time and space sometimes to just press pause in the situation before coming coming up with your decision of what to do and it's all right to sit in comfort and all right to sit in neutral but just sometimes because I think it's exciting see what happens if you go up a gear because you just don't ever ever know and of course be more buffalo people Mm. yeah hopefully there'll be no storms there for a few weeks (laughs) (laughs) I feel a t-shirt coming Jane do you yeah be more buffalo (laughs) buffalo head on it but yeah no I just loved that analogy when I heard it and I didn't really understand it I was like oh I don't know buffaloes did that but I just thought yeah what a great great way go into the storm sometimes because you'll get through it quicker but also life is life is hard life is tough you know yeah we get get storms and 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 that and it's okay and it's okay that it's hard and it's okay if you're finding it challenging um because you're not alone and I think that's what I liked particularly about that buffalo idea was it it can be so much more painful to sit there worrying like you say it's actually and then you can be in the storm longer um and some of that storm is your own mind's creation um whereas actually kind of saying okay right (laughs) it's the um Glennon Doyle you know we can do hard things you know let's yeah let's go and do that hard thing I think yeah what does she say pain is your traveling professor we need to not just run away from pain we need to experience it endure it because we will get some learning learning from it you must have a qualification in that with all your with all your distant events yeah oh well I'll update you on the long run up the next uh, the next podcast brilliant okay well thank you again for listening yes you have a wonderful few weeks and yeah we'll be back again soon thanks everyone have a good month bye